Hey there, if you would like ad-free and early versions of these episodes, as well as bonus episodes, movie club episodes, and lots more, head on over to patreon.com slash Craig and Friends. Make believe, it's not pretend, we might be ill, but we're on the mend. It never starts, it never ends, welcome to Craig and Friends, welcome to Craig and Friends, welcome to... Hey there, hot stuff. How you doing today? Did you go out this weekend? Or are you going out this upcoming weekend? My second shot is Thursday. I'm taping a show with Bible Girl on Friday. We'll see how that goes. Could be very interesting. Could be a lot of fun to hear how sick I get. That show, incidentally, is strictly for Patreon folks. Where do they go? Where are they at? Patreon.com slash Craig and Friends. You may have heard of it before. It's the place you can go to support the show and get tons of bonus episodes. And not just one kind of bonus episode. Oh, no, no, no. There's bonus episodes, listener questions episodes, and movie club episodes the most recent bonus episode features bright light bright light and i talking about the world and stuff and things and guess what shocker movies and i'll be talking more movies with bright light bright light when he comes to join me for the fatal beauty movie club also featuring james st james now fatal beauty is currently on prime i strongly suggest you watch it now perhaps after this episode but very soon it's a Whoopi goldberg classic i don't think i need to say anything more than that In addition to getting back out there in the world and back to Precinct, which is opening up in a couple weeks, I'm looking forward to stepping out in my new pair of Marquee Collection shoes. Yes, the Marquee Collection from Michael DeBar. You can find these shoes at markschwartzmensshoes.com. The link is in the episode description, along with the link to Patreon. Oh, and the link to your other new favorite show, Chrissy and Craig. Get yourself set up for when this episode ends, you have the Chrissy and Craig to listen to. Look, you have a fabulous day ahead of you, don't you? Now that that's all taken care of, it's time for my chat with Michael DeBar. Should I take the cats out? Nah. <laughs> we love a cat on the show. Can you see our cats? Yeah, yeah. Look, what, Lenny uh, and... You, you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. You can uh, do it. Access. Access. I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying. The Lenny one is so burned in, though, because remember, I had a cat named Lenny. Yeah, yeah, as, yeah, 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 yeah. As well. So it's hard to... And, you know? Wally. It's not, oh, Wally. Wally. Right. Okay. Strangely enough, named after Wallace Simpson, the Duchess of Windsor, who I, th- <laughs> I think is the most interesting character for a movie. There's your movie. Really? Now, tell, tell us a little bit about... Well, the Duke of Windsor was, going, was king. He was the king of England, and he decided not to be the king of England, which in itself is makes, you know, um, <laughs> Prince Harry and Meghan look like, <laughs> you know, Peter Pan and Tinkerbell. Sure. It was I slightly mean, slightly uh, more unorthodox back then. Slightly. Just, just slightly. <laughs> just a little. You know, yeah. huge, huge Nazi fan, you know, Duke of Windsor, just loved the Nazis. And and decided to you know not be king, and and his stuttering b- 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 brother became the king. Uh, okay. You know it's a fucking amazing story. It really is. And she was already a divorcee, which in those days you can imagine in the thirties. It's it's a fascinating story, and it's a yeah. great great role for Kerry Mulligan. Perfect. See, I like it. You have you have a cast. You have the shot list in mind, I'm sure. I, well, I, I have the shot lists for the second act. It's the third act that is a problem. You know? <laughs> but it's not always the case. <laughs> <laughs> it has been in my marriages. 
but <laughs> but it's a fantastic subject for especially now with all the royalty you know the collapse yeah. of the royal family craig and sure you know because it really is i mean i did i did that show with her second season oh wow okay yeah 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 you know and i yeah. knew and she was it was like the second season and i think they did 10 and she was so funny and so uh-huh. uh, flirtatious. Let me get rid of uh, Lenny and Wally. Once they realize they're not the focus of the thing, then it's it's downhill, <laughs> that's right? Exact, this is exactly right. <laughs> and what's that like, that feeling? I, 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 I have no idea what, <laughs> what that would feel like. <laughs> it's very rare. It's very rare uh, in, in the show business, too, to feel to know that feeling. So, well, uh, it's so good to see you because so good I, to do see you. So, I so thank you. I, I, I do so many zooms man you know i really yeah. do and you can tell within 30 seconds you know because <laughs> yes. I, I i can't do you know i do a lot of business i've got this shoe company and this fashion line and i've got a, you know silverhead is it all new silverhead stuff has been found oh which, amazing yeah live in 72 yeah. in a in a uh, theater in london called the paris theater and the bbc recorded us live in 72 between albums so it's so raw and it's just the best stuff and somebody discovered it with also at the same time somebody found footage of us in tokyo and i've got a bottle of jack daniels between (laughs) you know right here you know where and i'm just humping while the (laughs) while the whiskey goes into japanese faces oh my god that's amazing the audience with whiskey and it's on film yeah and it's on film but it's all sort of grainy you know what I mean? It looks like it's from from the twenties. Yeah, it, it makes like, it better. It makes it look seedier. The little bit of grain, and it's a little. Like- I agree. History, history. You know, so it's definitely got that historic vibe, and we just look so thin. I'll say you look very thin. Oh during- Jesus! <laughs> Collectively, we weighed one hundred and fifty pounds. Yeah, yeah. The whole band, right? Exactly. You know, I mean, it yeah. was. Uh, Really skinny and wonderful. So that's so. My point is this: is when you get on and you start to talk, if it's business, it's business. That I understand. Yeah, but I can't even do business meetings without having fun anymore. Right. You oh, know? it's no, it's too much because there is a Zoom fatigue. Even when you're enjoying the Zoom, you know, you have too many in a day. They could be great, but I've it was weird um, identifying that too. You know, like yeah. figuring out what that was because. Right. You get so excited to talk to people like, let's say, six, eight months ago, and then you're exhausted or you feel all messed up. You don't know why. And then suddenly you realize it's it's a, a big energy output. It really is because the whole the whole vibe of it is is so technical and therefore the emotionality is, you know, but um, and Zoom fatigue is if that isn't a Ben fucking name, I don't know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, I quit. You know. I'm sure there's going to be a movie about it. I saw something funny earlier on Twitter where someone said, uh, gee, I bet they're, uh, the reason we probably don't know too many uh, films about this big Spanish flu is because I don't want to see one fucking thing about this thing after we're out of it. Because I guess yeah. there's a new movie called Love in the Time of Corona, uh, yeah. which is like... Oh, you're kidding. No, a full movie, and it's probably one of many, you know, because... Like the 9-11 movies, the this movie, the that movie. There's probably a slew of them. Now, Danny Elfman has a song called that, but it's great because it's a song. It's three minutes long, and it's a new Danny Elfman song, which is a great thing. Well, it's a very rare thing. Yeah. I, I, I can't You know, I mean, what was his band name in the Boingo beginning? Boingo Boingo. I used to see Boingo Boingo. There was a club. That you, you, I, don't, I think you would be too young for this one. 
in Beverly Hills called the Daisy. Well, he was the house band. Oh, know? okay, yeah. And that was the that was the band. Very funny, very comedic, but and they'd play covers and stuff. And then he became the biggest movie composer in the world. So yeah. all you guys out there, seventeen, eighteen years old, playing your, I mean, look at Trent Reznor. Yeah, right. Two nominations, two movies, right? Without Atticus. Uh, there he is in a suit and tie, and then you cut to him looking, ma- making Marilyn Manson look like fucking, you know, I don't know who, Rick Springfield. <laughs> you, right, you know. yeah, the junior, right, the junior high equivalent of the scary man, yeah. Yeah, which is so interesting what he's done. A huge fan of his, man, you know. Oh, you're massive. And then Elfman yeah. as well, because also if you look back at yeah. Oingo Boingo, it's a great example of just do whatever the thing is that you like to do. Yes. And, you know. And it, it, it turns out, I mean, even before he became the big composer, he started having lots of tracks in movies, stuff in Beverly Hills Cop. Oh, yeah. And uh, uh, Weird Science, of course, because he scored that, but still yeah. other stuff. Even Surf 2. You remember that movie Surf 2? There's no Surf yeah. 1. Yeah. yeah. Which was brilliant in and of itself, you know. Yeah. Oh, he, and the tagline, the tagline you know. was uh, the end of the trilogy. wow that's smart well that's why people were really smart but but the empathy that he has for the for the story you know yeah i mean it's a very beautiful thing to do you know it's a spiritual thing to write that music and and make you feel you know make you feel rather than pop music right uh, you know I, i honestly watching the grammys was i don't know it was wrenching for me yeah, I skipped it. I saw one or two highlight moments of performances. So I didn't even see full performances. I saw a little clip of Harry Styles, a clip of Dua Lipa. That's enough that? right there. Yeah. But I tell you, <laughs> I'll tell you, it was great. It was Bruno Mars, man. Oh, right. Well, he's such a talent and an all rounder <sighs> as well, right? Little Richard. He did a Little Richard uh, medley. Oh, I'm going to have to look that up then. You must. You must. And, you know, it was really, really good. Then Black Pumas were, were good. But. But boy, it's just so difficult to see. First and foremost, I'm really anti the competitiveness of it all. It's also yeah. corporate and ridiculous, and yeah. you know, and and it tanked, as you know. I mean, <laughs> right? You know, the ratings were appalling, uh, as they always are. As as Bob Lefsetz points out, you know, it was just a disaster. But uh, Harry, I love you. you can't, everybody loves Harry. How can you not love Harry Styles? You know, with a boa on, you know, but he's kind of butch. Right, no, he's got the great mix of all the stuff, and then he's he, really he, he, he can lean into one thing or another almost with his stance at, yeah, at any given moment. that's very true. I saw a great vid on him on YouTube where, where he's singing away, and, and he's looking at the kids, and suddenly he looks over, and this, clearly this girl is looking at a band member and not him. <laughs> and he goes, hey, <laughs> this is my band. This is Harry, right, yeah. with the boa in his uh, neck. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm thought, wearing a boa. Oh. You have to look at me. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the title of his autobiography right there. <laughs> but, Forward but anyway, by Michael DeBar. Yes. <laughs> that I'd like. That I would like. That'd be great. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, sure. So, you know, I've been doing the radio show, and it's um, a blessing. Absolutely. Yeah. Steve Benzant, you know, seven years ago in a couple of weeks is when I started doing this. Wow. And, and yeah. yeah, it's a long time every day. You know? Right, every day is, it is a long time. It does seem and, to me almost like yesterday because I remember when you started doing that. Yeah, three hours every day. And, uh, you know, and I do a lot of research because I talk about different artists. You know, I do, I do an artist a week at a feature called Crossroads. And yeah. looking into that, I'm doing David Ruffin this week. 
And what you start to realize is there's a real kind of graph that goes a science, gospel, join a do what band, go into the temptations if you're lucky, you know, Motown, sure. Audi, Redbird, whatever it is. Yeah. Coke, Cadillacs, whores. <laughs> Heart attack. <laughs> it's a it's it's a classic story. It's you stick right to it. That's right. I forgot. Ruffin had a really rough <laughs> ride in the last, however uh, long. Right. The last few years, it was dreadful because he didn't just didn't show up, or it was you know, or he insisted on it being called David Ruffin and the Temptations. But there's all of these things that that um, matter, and and one has to point them out. And I don't um, uh, pour sugar on any of this shit. Well, it's I mean, best I, not to, really. you know, of course, you got to, you know, really, I, I, the, the respect I have for the work is one thing. The human being that creates that music is another, and I think people really want to know, n- not from a voyeuristic point of view, but I think they enjoy and can feel the music more if they know who's singing it. I think so too, and I think that's one of the great things about the stories, like your story, for instance, is a good example, right? Yeah, and uh, what we talked about in past episodes, but. The story of David Ruffin is fascinating, too, because you're also seeing just how this person coped with success and failure. Yes. And both is both are very interesting and, I think, instructive. I think everyone can get a lot of inspiration from life stories. Yes. And yes. when we're tuned into their music, it makes it even more relatable somehow. No, that's perfectly, exactly and completely a terrific explanation of, of the assistance to the audience to understand contextually and also, you know, spiritually. To understand, you know, that the young'uns don't have to do that. If they hear about it, then you can see the the objects that get in your way and perhaps, you know, fly over them and continue and have a wonderful, long and beautiful career that uh, grows and grows, you know, rather than diminishes and diminishes and diminishes. Gone. Particularly with people uh, that maybe you wouldn't expect had pitfalls or because everyone does, but sometimes people can not realize that. And I think that's the great thing about, especially like warts and all documentaries. I love those are the Warren Zevon book, which, you know, he instructed his uh, widow to, or ex-wife rather to, he said, no, put it all in. And I mean, there's some hair raising stuff in that book. But. <laughs> Awful. Yeah. I knew him, you know, at the end uh, uh, for the last few months and not, uh, and we do, we, I, we did a movie. It was called the diary of a sex addict. And uh, with me and Rosanna, Arquette, and what's and Nastasia Kinski was in that movie, and he wanted to write the the thing, but he wasn't in any shape to to be able to do that. But oh, sure, fascinating guy. But I think you know all of these stories that one goes through is very very important to tell the audience, especially the young musicians. But the young musicians, man, you know that they're, they're not musicking, you know. They're not out there doing it, you know. But there's this other great thing where, like, TikTok. Are you on TikTok? Because I feel like you'd be great oh, on yeah. TikTok. Yeah, well, I, 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 I avoid it a little, you know, because I, I think I'm so omnipresent in social media. You know, <laughs> I mean, Jesus, you know. Well, Every, true. But, but you know, it, so some people who only really look at TikTok, and then there's a great thing about the algorithm where it is more – um, accidental discovery than Instagram and also then based on what the things you like are that are coming through your For You page it sort of tailors it to you not in a sort of mono uh, focus kind of way or, but you see like say you express a lot of interest via your likes and time spent watching on um, anything from carpentry to 
natural healing to psychiatry or, you know, psychology rather. Yeah. So it will keep sending you different stuff and then people get... Can um, learn. Yeah, it can learn and uh, from unexpected sources because a lot of times it's it's almost like back when you used to like walk through a video store and it was rammed with stuff and you didn't know or a record store and you just wandered through. There was no yeah, you, know, you can find stuff. It's it's a library. It's a sort of exactly a, a, you know in a sense. But Clubhouse, oh yeah, until it, uh, you know that is not my thing, man. The premise looks great, but what is it about it that that is not uh, terrific for you? I, I don't want to talk on the fucking phone. Or <laughs> Yeah. Really, after a, after a day of Zooms, you don't want to get on the phone? Yeah, and uh, yeah. oh, come on. You know, the iPhone <laughs> has become this, you know, you might as well nail it to your head. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. And, uh, I, I, and, and also, I like to look people in the eye mm-hmm. when I'm talking to them, especially, I mean, otherwise, it, then it just becomes who's funnier, who's cleverer. And you can tell. That you know, there's a hundred people during the course of the conversation, and two people are talking to one another. You know what I mean? And that's it, man. You know, and yeah. I, 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 I ran a ran from that. You know, but but my dear friend Stuart Ross is brilliant, um, and lives alone, and 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 for you know, it's good for some people to be able to groove on on that. It's fine, but not for me. You know, sure. not for not, me. Not everything's for everybody. That's the thing. And there's so many apps now that yeah. some things aren't. For everyone, but the thing I liked about Clubhouse and my limited exposure to it so far was when I first uh, opened it up. First, I got a message from someone who happened to be on it at the same time. I hadn't talked to them in like two years. Yeah, it was just a nice little catch up. And for some reason, it made it more likely that we would talk rather than Facebook or rather than on the phone. So that yeah. I liked. And then also, then I immediately just hit whatever discussion was in front of me. And it was uh, a whole course about NFTs. Now I didn't listen to a lot of it, but it was like five minutes. And I thought, oh, this is cool. Like, if you want to know about this, there's a whole thing here. I, I, I'm very sort of stupid in many ways. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and, and one of them is NF, NFT. You know, it sounds like a disease. <laughs> right. Well, and, and, the, and, full, and the full name's even worse. <laughs> Non-fungible tokens. Kiss my toes. <laughs> I have no idea what that means. That's right. You know? Well, and that reminds me, Happy St. Patrick's Day, because you were just speaking the old Gaelic. St. Patrick wasn't Jewish. I know. That's the, that's the joke. It's the joke. <laughs> I know. I said, you know, Gabriel is my best friend, whose book. Oh God, Craig. Oh, I Gab- didn't know. I didn't Gabriel know he had a book. Oh, it's new. Uh, oh, okay. Well, good. You I know, feel better about not knowing then. New York Times, Washington Post. Absolutely, critics gone insane. It's called Walking with Ghosts. Uh-huh. It is completely not about celebrity at all. Sure. Um, in fact, it's it, it's 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 such a surreal metaphysical piece. It's it's absolutely exquisite. I mean, you have to read it. I read it in six hours straight. Bang. You know, I love the guy anyway, but that doesn't mean that I necessarily like his records. You know what I mean? I mean, I know. Got, yeah. You know, right? <laughs> Dave Grohl has a saying about that: "Great guys, bad band." Well, he's so bright and so clever, Grohl, and 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 it's the same thing with Gabriel. You know, I mean, he's a brilliant man. He's a poet. You know, and he doesn't do crap. You don't see him in Marvel comics and tights and a cape. You know, he, you know, and he'd look great in tights and a cape. Yeah, you know, but you have to be Australian. You get the rules uh, from the the union too, so you know about the specifics that maybe those of us watching might not. No, <laughs> <laughs> you have to be a Hemsworth, Michael D. Hemsworth. 
<laughs> There's some As secret the Hemsworths snake. out there is the thing that we're going to find out, too. Soon. Yeah, a few oh, years yeah that's true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> but, you know, but that's a great book. It's a really, really good book, Gabriel's book. You should definitely read that. It's really, really good. I should check that out. I got to check that out. And I want to check out the new Lorraine Newman book. Well, she just she just texted me the other day. I said, I suddenly realized, I said, Alcoholics Anonymous is about as anonymous as the Kardashians. <laughs> I saw that tweet, and I, that, I'm because, glad you brought it up, because I was like, oh, that's interesting. I, well, I'm sure we'll talk about that. Yeah, <laughs> because I realized, why is it Black Lives Matter Anonymous? Is is health issue, your health, mental health issues anonymous? Sure, sure. Anonymity is the 1950s. Yeah. When you're shamed to being an alcoholic, you know, right. and you don't want anybody to know. Well, the right. point is that's self-deprecating, isn't it? It's sort of it's self-defeating, I should say. Sure, and it's shame-based, it, essentially, even it's though... It's utterly shame-based. Yeah. It's totally 1950s morality. Yeah. And I said it, and of course, then all of the diehards of it, it saved my life. It saved my life too, darling, you know. But uh, anonymity had fuck all to do with it. In fact, uh, Ben <laughs> Affleck is on the cover of People magazine getting fucking sober, you yeah. know, under the with Alcoholics Anonymous at the top. And then a little picture of Shakira. So, I mean, give me a break. Anonymity, you know. And the anonymity and keeping quiet about it doesn't really help. It's the antithesis who, yeah, of, exactly. of, of, you know, changing your life. Right. You know, I'm going to change my life and be someone else anonymously. Yeah, but I'll change my life, but no one will know about it, and I'll just keep it quiet. Yeah. 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 What are you, Bruce Wayne? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm Bruce, yeah. and I'm, I'm not Batman. I'm an alcoholic. One criminal at a time. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned yeah. Batman. I just watched Batman Returns again eerie to watch in the wake of the last year of politics which thankfully we're out of so we don't really need to dwell on but <laughs> <laughs> we can't dwell on that no, no it's uh, no. not dwellable I'm, I mean, I'm always happy to talk to you i'm always excited to talk to you but particularly now because we're on the way to like life being life again well, sort of. I mean, you know, I'm lucky I got the double vax, you know, yeah. and, uh, and all of that bollocks. But, but you know, my younger wife, shall we say, does not. So there's all variants, if you'll pardon the expression, right. to all of these um, relationships. It's different. Um, right. I, I feel numb in a way when I go out, you know. Um, uh-huh. I, 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 you know, I, I really don't go out very much. Uh, and when I do, I'm very sort of, uh, not suspicious isn't the word, but detached for sure. And I've learned a lot this year. It's been monastic in a sense, you know, where one can't go. The, 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 the amazing thing is this, that, you know, I'm a very gregarious person, duh. Right. <laughs> and um and 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 I require an audience to survive. <laughs> sure. Yeah. You know, it's like my shot. I, I go to um audience anonymous. <laughs> and but I, I haven't been able to do that, you know, go out and sort of vibe people and hug them and you kiss them and what are you and like great shoes and I love you and you know yeah. and all of it and oh the movie's great and you, did you enjoy it and stuff like that. Would you get that? You know, and and or uh, isn't Proust wonderful, you know, whatever. And a lot of those 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 incidental exchanges are so important to us in yeah. our lives. Yeah. You you're that guy. I mean you Oh, absolutely. You know, yeah. you're a gregarious guy. That's why you're so good at what you do here. But well thank you. I thank you. 
But the last year has not been that. It's been very much uh, internalized. Also, I couldn't like work out because I had these surgeries, you know, this, this, that's right. this going yeah. on. So, which actually, that's a great shot. Oh, this, yeah, no, that, that's a great shot. This is, well, I'll just point and then I'll put that up. Well, there. I'll point too. <laughs> I can point. I'm a good pointer. <laughs> and you have a fabulous uh, nail varnish on. So wow. let's let's use this moment. Actually, we'll get right back to what we we're saying. But uh, since we, we might as well do the promo now, because what should you do, Michael, if they want to hear it for an Instagram story? They should what swipe up. And which direction is that? Well, I'd, I'd say this is what happened. You know, I love fashion. You love fashion. Who do, you know? I mean, w- you know, fashion is rock and roll. Rock and roll is fashion. It's all so culturally involved, and when this wonderful potpourri of this cocktail of rocktail, right? Yeah. So. <laughs> I met this guy, Mark Schwartz, brilliant uh, guy who makes shoes. And I was really intrigued by it, as was Maureen Van Zandt, Stephen Van Zandt's wife. You know, I work for Stephen Van Zandt, and I love them both with all my heart. She has the most exquisite taste. She's a dancer. You know, she was a dancer and and loved the 60s and spent some of the 60s in London. So I suddenly realized, okay, so she knew the guy. So I saw these boots, these snakeskin boots, and I thought, oh, my God, Keith. Keith, yeah, 1964, yeah. right? And I thought, okay, what one should do is hook up with this guy, Mark Schwartz, um, and you can hook up with him too at MarkSchwartzMensShoes.com. That's Mark Schwartz, S-C-H-W-A-R-T-Z, yeah. Mark Schwartz, MensShoes.com, and you can see these calf boots, these high heel boots, shoes with laces, and all different types of um, shoes that are really, I see, I called them Carnaby, Piccadilly, and Soho, literally, yeah. to evoke when fashion and dandyism was changing the fucking world. Right. In the mid-60s, the world changed. Men had bangs. Yeah. Right. And they wore high heels. And so this, but if you, and uh, you know, my whole theory was fuck sneakers, would be <laughs> would be the, the promotion. That's not a bad yeah. That's not yeah. a bad uh, tagline or you brand know. name. If you want to do another line, well, yeah. I, I called it. I mean, our vibe is high heels, high life. H I. That's high great. life. Yeah, high heels. You know, yeah. because it just it just gives you another kind of individualism because you can wear all this with suits. I mean, I I've I've designed a whole bunch of different uh, clothing. You know, um, Pam and Gila, who created Juicy Couture. You know, really good friends of mine when they were doing it out of the back of a car. Well, as you know, it's a billion dollar industry. And John Taylor married, you know, Gila. (laughs) You know, so they don't need hits. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, and Juicy Couture's first thing was a sweatsuit. You remember that? Oh, yeah. With with Juicy Couture on the ass. Yeah. Well, I've come up with an idea for calling it a jump zoot (laughs) in honor of Zoom. And yeah. uh, and the Chicano world, which I adore, you know, the flamboyance of it. And so, you know, I'm very, very invested in fashion because, of course, I am. I can't go play. Right, right. I can't go plug in in a martial arm with my Les Paul and, you know, and scream into a microphone. And, uh, you know, I can't do that. And, and none of us can. And I've always adored fashion. And that was that's why I became really involved in the creation of recreating the wonderful rock and roll culture of the of the 60s in London. 
Yeah, I'm excited about those, and yeah. I'm sure I'll I'll get a pair. I'm not sure which one at some point because I like a substantial heel, and I love the designs that you have on offer. Yeah, it's interesting because the snakeskin is not snakeskin. It, it what it is is technologically you can you can computerize a print on leather, you know, which it, which it, you know makes it sort of cohesive. But I'm also making masks, not out of leather, but I'm making the whole snake. Obviously, the phallic consciousness of rock and roll is embodied uh, in the snake, you know, the snakeskin in any Greek mythology, you name it. Or the great works of David Coverdale, as we Well, the great, oh, God. The very subtle album titles. I'll, I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Well, I did that season with Tawny. You know, I did that series. Oh, that's right. Tawny. WKRP yeah. uh, Returns, Revisited, right? yeah. Revisited, yeah, yeah. Which is the biggest mistake I ever made. <laughs> I mean, Seems like a good show, idea, though, right? It's it like was. they're giving me thousands of dollars, you know, to, to to play the DJ, which in you know, in afterthought, is kind of interesting, you know, that I am now a DJ. Yeah, WKRP. But uh, the first one was fantastic, so, you know, scum of the earth. But the, doing it again, uh, you know, that's a money gig, and I'm, I, you know, I say it, I'm perfectly capable of doing it for the money. Of course, you know, anybody. You know, I, I'm not going to starve and be, you know, an, a, a pure artist. No, fuck that. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm, I'm with you. I'm a, of the same mind. Of, <laughs> well, you're talking yeah. to me, you know, you know, but, <laughs> but it's, a, it is, uh, that was a weird. Tony and I adore, fantastic woman, you know, and Coverdale too. The th- let me tell you about David Coverdale. So I, I was on Purple Records and Silver in 1972. I was 20, whatever it was. And um, and I'd just done this nude musical in London called The Dirtiest Show in Town. And Andrew Lloyd Webber had seen me in it, and he hooked me up with uh, Purple Records because Ian Gillen had sung the demos for Jesus Christ Superstar. So that's how I got into Purple Records, because Ian Gillen was a singer with E-Purple. And that's how my whole shit started, you know. And I, you know, so it's uh, it was a very interesting time, uh, you know, uh, that London at that time. Oh, my God. God, you would have loved it so much. I imagine because I love I just read the book on Robert Stigwood, who I've always been obsessed with. And this was the first book that really had a lot of information about him. You usually just glean little bits here and there from Bee Gees books. Well, it was Gay Mafia. You know, Lionel Bart, Lionel Bart, who wrote Oliver, couldn't read or write music. I didn't know that. Couldn't read or write music. And he wrote Oliver. And Stevie Marriott played Artful Dodger. What? I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Wow. And there's a lot of shit you don't know because that cadre of of gay managers and uh, like Stigwood and like you know Brian, God rest his soul, Brian Epstein, um, it was an amazing thing. Yeah, and you know uh, Bowie was running around that circle, Mark was running around that circle, Pretty Boys, you know. Bowie was writing songs for Paul Nicholas before he was Paul exactly Nicholas. Exactly right. That's exactly right. And and Mark was a model, which is difficult to do when you're five foot two. You know, but he was so, so pretty, you know, and such a sweet, smart guy. That's the thing about David and Mark Boland, incredible intelligence. You know, the ability, because both of them, if you really look closely, reinvented themselves. The, when I saw Mark, it was a little mod. John's right. Children was the name of the band. It was a mod band, called, you know. And then next time I saw him, it was sitting cross-legged at the Roundhouse in London with Steve Peregrine Took. Real name was probably Steve Jenkins, <laughs> you know. And now he's now he's an elf, you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> Tolkien, you know. 
And and Mark's sitting there, Deberito, Deberito, what? You're a you're a wait a minute. Three months ago, you had short hair, a suit. Right. Now you're in velvet, and your brow is covered in stars. Yeah, yeah. fascinating. What a brilliant artist. Oh man. And then to go from there and then to take it full band and glam and everything. Yeah, exactly. Then the in. biggest the biggest band in England for what at least 18 months, right? About 20 minutes. You yeah, know. right. <laughs> I mean, but so big that Ringo Starr was like, I got to make a movie about this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, you know, T Rex is I mean, he, an amazing, amazing, short lived, but he knew that. There's a wonderful interview with him, Craig, uh, with uh, what's that guy, Michael Parkinson, the classic English interviewer. And he says, To what will you be doing when you're 60? And Mark is completely quiet. And he looked at him and he said, I'll never make 60. And it's chilling when you think about it. Yeah. You know? uh, he did not. He didn't even make 30. You know, he was 20, 29 when Gloria hit the tree. Again, the the basis of all of this rock culture is in those guys. Those guys created all of that. And one would love to recreate that uh, just just for, for the fun of it and for the, you know, the, the vibe of giving them the, the real props that they deserve. They did get it. Mark's not so much here, but, but David certainly did, you know, get yeah. the props that he deserves. And here, at, le- at least, there's a devoted cult following for Mark. Like, those who like him, like, really like him. Oh, yeah. That's very true. That's very, very true. I- I'm going to do one. I'm going to do uh, um, Children of the Revolution. Oh, that'd be for- great. For Van Zandt's label, you know, because I do covers on the B-sides of my songs with yeah. him. And we've been so lucky. I mean, dude... You know, when I think of being on a hundred, I've been on fifty-two labels. You know, <laughs> and in seventeen bands. Yeah, and and uh, you know, and it's so expensive to keep a band on the road and oh, all of yeah. that. But working this way with Stephen Vincent at Wicked Cool Records is fantastic. You put I put out a single every couple of months. Right. Believe you me, it's good. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, I, I can't record on a Zoom thing. You know, you can't get all the guys in these little squares and the bass players up there going. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. Yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, it's horrible. And, uh, yeah. you know, I have to be in a room and look at people. It's the same thing with the with the way of the clubhouse vibe. You know, it's so distant. I can't, because music is, you've got to, everybody's got to be that same groove otherwise it just doesn't make sense because doing these shows over zoom it's like i can do it and it's good but i am so eager to be able to in person chat again do you know what i mean because there's so many things especially sometimes with someone you've never met before there's so many little cues in body language and just you can feel their vibe do you know and so that is a whole sea change really that's so interesting for you that's yeah. just, that's so true that the yeah there's there's passwords and there's a jilting of the the show and the and the you know, all of that how interesting even the oh hey how you doing uh, w- w- would you like some water would you, even in those moments where you're just 
So, I mean, not sizing each other up, but you're getting a sense of each other. And it's like, oh, have a seat. Oh, you know, would you like, is it warm enough? Is it cold? Any of that stuff. That's, you know, you're having someone into your place or, or you're at their place or whatever. But there's those moments that go by like that, which are now like, oh, hi, can you hear me okay? Can you hear me okay? <laughs> oh, God. You see, that's what I mean. But yeah, you know within yeah. seconds. I mean, you know within seconds, whether, yeah. you know, if it's going to flow. And I do too. And if it's not going to flow and it's business, fine. But sure. in your but your thing is bringing that the real person out. You know right. that's not yeah. what I'm doing when I'm talking about you know shoes, right? And, and what Generally. size is what star, size is Billy Idol? You know, come on, and, yeah. Uh, you know, work. That's a yeah. different thing. But you, it's all about intimacy and getting the truth out of people. And I've seen all the the interviews that you do and how you know people are either laughing hysterically or weeping. You know, and for <laughs> me, there's you, nothing yeah. in between. Well, right. That's kind it's of either you know. tears or laughing. <laughs> Everything in yeah. between, I'm not interested. Right. Well, it's like we talked about the David Ruffin story. I mean, that's what you want to know. You want to know the the real stuff, the big moments, and the, yeah. the the lowest of the low and the highest of the high. And that's the great thing about when they say mediocrity. But 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 living in the middle of that is good. Is what I've discovered over this last year. You yeah. know, you you don't have to have applause. You don't need an award. You you know that's not the point. the The point is is just being with yourself, loving yourself, and you know the biggest relationship of the last year I've had is with myself. Even though I adore my wife and my cats and my ex wife and my friends and Slim Jim and Jonesy and all of those people I adore, you know the real real relationship I've had is with me trying to find out who you know who that that guy is you know because there's no no audience there's no response <laughs> and there's no and really there's there's not that many distractions i was gonna say no distractions there are like for instance i was excited to talk to you about this i've discovered a, a new genre that i'm excited to what? plunge into police it's not new but new to me let me see if i can pronounce it right poliziotesky basically italian crime films of the late 60s and 70s oh god uh, you're obsessed, right? I, yeah, I'm obsessed. Yeah, yeah. Generally, if it's the early 80s, sleazy, prostitutes, drug dealers, and glass bricks, and synth score. I'm like, this is a great, yes. you know what I mean? It's a cure-all. Yes. You, you mentioned Rosanna before, yeah. uh, the film Eight Million Ways to Die, which I know that yeah. the cast is not too thrilled with how it turned out because no. it got taken away from the creator, but it's it's got great over-the-top performances. It's got synthesizer. It's got, you know, all this stuff going I know exactly on. what you mean. Yeah. And you get lost in it. Yeah, exactly. And she's great in it, of course. Rosanna, Rosanna is the, what, the greatest actress of her generation. As we were talking about online a little bit, Melanie Griffith as well, who was in uh, oh. Fear City, which I'd never heard of before. And it's an Abel Ferrara film with Tom Berenger and Jack Scalia, who sadly, I wish we saw more of Jack Scalia. I know we don't. It's, it's a drag. It's a drag. Because he was so handsome and so like butch and good and tough and all of that. But Melanie is divine in everything. Yeah, she really yeah. is. I mean, what a talent and, and, and completely humble about it. And so in the moment, you know, so in the moment, there's no demonstrative greatness, you know. But I find that too. I don't know if you've seen The Dig. No, I haven't. It's so good. It's Rafe Fiennes and Carrie Mulligan, mm -hmm. who is the girl of the moment, you know, because she's got this Academy Award nomination for, uh, what is it, the, in, in, uh, an interesting person or whatever it is. Yeah. But, you know, there's no acting. They're not acting. You know, and that's joyful. But those those movies that you're talking about in that uh, time were were incredible, man. I I got hung up on Belmondo and and Delon and all the beautiful French yeah 
movies. Yeah. You know, that, that drove me crazy. And Criterion, Criterion movies, you know. Yeah. Black and white, lots of cigarettes, you know. <laughs> so many cigarettes. And also, so and, and, and the Italian films, as extreme as the giallos are, I didn't realize that their crime movies would be as extreme. So you take like the most ridiculous cop movie of the 70s in America, then add like 50% more gore, just brutality all over the place. Yeah, yeah, really brutal, really, really violent. It's it's a very interesting thing, man. You know know who was born out of that was Anita Pallenberg. All those Italian movies, you know, she was a baby then. Yeah. And uh, that book is pretty good, She's a Rainbow, the book about Anita Pallenberg. All you Stones fans out there, you know, there's a lot there that you will, uh, I think, learn from uh, the usual mythology of the Stones. But Anita Pallenberg was asked, what's her greatest trait? And she, she said, charm was her greatest talent. And and that is so fucking rich. <laughs> she, <laughs> you know, I mean, I could say that too, you know. I've gotten deals and bands, and I've I've had more fucking deals than anybody, you know, uh, in terms of bands. Well, isn't that kind of like the thing that Robert Stigwood would kind of take a gamble on someone based on just like a, a brief interaction sometimes? I mean, I don't know what might be, you know, guiding his hand, but... <laughs> he'd be guiding that hand to below <laughs> the belt, but, you know, is what he'd be doing. But uh, even uh, the deal with Travolta, you know, he signed this TV star to a three-picture deal, complete, total faith in him, charm or charisma or whatever it's called. There's some kind of thing that that people like Stigwood could could find. Yeah, then identify. Identify. That's the important thing. It's not whether do you have 30 songs that are in the key of B. It's this other thing. (laughs) Well, it's it's clearly a star. What does a star do? Light up right. the fucking sky, you know. Yeah. And and so you're either that or you're not. And now many people cannot be that and be spectacular, you know. Sure. But Anthony Hopkins, for me, I saw him when I was very young, you know, uh, at the Royal Shakespeare Company. As I saw Christopher, um, you know, Lee, what was his name that just passed away, Christopher Plummer. I saw him do Coriolanus at Stratford-upon-Avon when I was like 13, you know, and he was young, virile. And you could see, because he wasn't that particularly spectacular, Sean Connery, handsome. But you, but pow, when he came out there, whew, right. you know, he was what Stigwood would have adored if he had a guitar. That's why Paul Nicholas kept getting so many cracks at the... Uh... He got a lot of cracks, Paul Nicholas. <laughs> a lot of cracks. A lot of cracks there, man. He was beautiful. Just beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And, he, and he had fun. He was always in the clubs. You know, because after To Sew With Love, we were all in the clubs. Well, I went to school with Mitch Mitchell, and he says, you know, um, uh, Marco, I'm, you know, I'm drumming with this black geezer. And he's left-handed, and he's going to be playing like the marquee tonight. If you want to come down there, that's what happened. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. and, and Jimi Hendrix happened, and it's like an everyday thing. Uh, yes, watching the Bee Gees documentary too. Remind I me, mean, I'm a huge fan of theirs. And then I went and reread the book uh, on them, and it's almost hard for people to comprehend now what a pop group going to number one could mean. In England, or London specifically, right? In like 66, Well, you were hugely famous for three weeks. Right. You know, that's the yeah. thing. You know, to the to, the world of Top of the Pops, if Top of the Pops are ready, steady, go, if you're in those things. But England is a quick turnover. Well, that's the other thing that's remarkable, too, that you see in the documentary. 
they had such sharp peaks and valleys and not just one dip there was two at least you know they had the initial problem period where they broke up and then they got back together did lonely days and then there was a real fallow period a mm. serious one where they were playing working men's clubs their story is so great and inspiring for anyone doing anything well they're doing it they're doing it now they're going to be the the i think what is his name graham who did bohemian rhapsody the producer oh that's right they're making a, a they're full-on doing narrative a film movie yeah that's right barry's involved in and, and i'm sure they'll deal with robin's um you know uh, I, I don't know what you know women's clothing transvesticism i don't know whether how to describe robin gibb and i'm sure he doesn't either but it's definitely not been explored, you know, Robin Gibbs life. And I'm so glad you brought Robin up because I'm fascinated with him. Uh, yeah. As you can imagine, they don't really touch on various things in the documentary because I think they wanted to stay away from the darker side of the of the well, story. Well, the darker side and the stupid side, which is, of course, Sergeant Pepper, which is Stickwood's mightiest mistake. I uh, I love that film. I actually have the press book they put out for it over there. On yeah. The, and the yeah, it wasn't that there. bad, but it, but in mythology, in cultural rock and roll mythology, it's become a huge yeah. era. You know, Billy Shears and Peter Frampton. And, you know, I love Peter Frampton. He's fucking awesome. He's an icon. But um, that had a, a shred of uncoolness, you know. <laughs> well, sure. <laughs> yeah. Know, shred of uncoolness. <laughs> <laughs> says michael de bar how could he how could you, you know. <laughs> well and also it was so built up and people were so excited Dying probably in a it. way yeah, yeah yeah i mentioned paul nicholas a few times as i want to do you see him in tommy the posters right there i see him in sergeant pepper and i'm like who who is this guy <laughs> like, yeah <laughs> who could this guy have been that's the that's the real question yeah because he's an amazing cousin kevin too yeah, and he was the most handsome uh, of all of them, except maybe Terry Stamp, you know. Uh, but it, it didn't uh, explode, no. He was in Cats, and then he was on Just Good Friends in England. and all. I'm actually meaning to reach out to him at some point, because I want to oh, talk no, to him. Oh, no, he's had a fantastic career, but it wasn't John Travolta, you know. But the whole Stickwood world of, of, of managers, it was gangsterism and gayness. The two Gs. Two Gs, yeah, yeah, uh, which is what we would call a gram of coke. Uh, you know. uh, <laughs> right, you know. right. How many, how many Gs do you want? You want two Gs? So really, in, in some circles, within those circles, it would be the three Gs, which would be the... <laughs> the... <laughs> Not the BGs. No, 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 exactly. The three Gs, yeah. Sometimes in New York, they use that as slang, just like they used white wedding as slang later on when Billy Idol, for instance. Yeah, was... Yeah, I love Billy Idol. But no, it's it's an interesting time, you know. It really was a set of template for the impresarios, the entrepreneurs, and, and uh, you know, the money. You know, I, I did a thing this morning on Townsend. Somebody, you know, I have uh, people ask me questions on, on the air, and uh, they said, you know, who is the most intellectual writer of the early rock and roll bands? Who was that? Who do you think lyrically said the most? Yeah. And unquestionably, I responded with Pete Townsend. Because yeah. Pete Townsend, I can't explain. If that's the only thing that you had to look at or he ever as wrote, an example. Then that explains yeah. what I'm saying. You know, yeah. I can't explain, you know. And uh, all this, a lot of it was about, well, one song was uh, Disguises, which the jam covered. The oh, great right. jam at Paul Weller. They were all about, you know, who am I? And I'm going down to Brighton to beat up a rocker because I'm on speed. The whole stuttering thing was Drinamel, which was a drug, Purple Hearts. You would yeah. take it and you would start. I mean, who would fucking think of right. writing a song with stuttering because the mods were on speed? 
Yeah. I mean, you know, that's not, yeah, be my baby parted, come on. Or Little Red Rooster or some blues cover or, or you know, or I was born in across a hurricane, you know, very sensual and beautiful. And the stones, miraculous. I adore them, of course, you know. But uh, Townsend was talking about personal experiences when he was 18. Also to know it at the same time, because not everyone knows when they're. When they're being that brilliant. No, yeah. they're just being. But the other thing that I think that the other side of that coin, which I find absolutely fascinating, which is what I said on the radio today, was the destruction. The destruction of the hope. That he would like try and delve into the, you know, the anxiety of the working class Brits who were all playing the bands who were all playing James Brown. Right and, and 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 girl groups, you know, yeah. and, and the occasional Willie Dixon song, and then, but he was writing about you know what was going on psychologically, and then he would go destroy everything on stage. So what he built, he broke, you know, and that that is rock and roll, it literally. It, when he couldn't afford it, and he was like stealing guitars off the, <laughs> or sticking them the, together in the dressing room, yeah, all yeah. of that. I mean, you know, it's fascinating. Keith Moon too, the madness of Keith Moon is playing uh, unique. No one's ever played quite like him. All of them, and to himself, nobody played like that. And the visual dynamic too, because Entwistle never moved, never moved, <laughs> never moved no. at all. Yeah. Well, you know who else? Bill Wyman. Fabulous documentary on him. Did you see that one? Yeah, I loved it. Loved it. Unbelievable. I I didn't know he was such a librarian. I mean, he documented everything in his life. Yes, artifacts, everything. You know, he's a, you know, just an amazing collection. Slim Jim's really good friends with Bill Wyman, as is Stephen Benson. And he collected everything and uh, and sells a lot of it. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like 89 years old, whatever it is. I mean, it's, it's, which is a whole other thing. I saw a, a tweet from David Crosby saying, oh, you know, I can't go play and I'm 80. I thought, David Crosby can't be 80. Isn't that a shocking statement? I'll be 80 one day. I I, I, I actually am going to be 180. Yes. Also. Yeah. Is the way I feel. You right. Know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got the pull quote. We got the... <laughs> We got the grabber for the reel on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the TikTok baby. But um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, amazing, an amazing thing. That that whole era. I love that you're so knowledgeable about it. Uh, oh, thanks. I, I love uh, I love uh, ch- being able to chat with you about it, too. It's terribly so. important. It re- really is. But I know it's just as much about what, what's going on now. Yes. I think this is an interesting thing that I think you, you, you'd be interested in. Um, I was talking to someone who I really respect, very clever, very smart, very famous. And I said, well, what's what's next? What's going to happen? I mean, what is going to happen? OK, so so he says uh, uh, 2022 is going to be everything coming back, not to normalcy, but coming back. How it comes back, I don't know, but it's right. going to come back and where yeah. people can be this rather than this. 2023 is going to be the roaring fucking 20s because people are going to be so excited that yeah. they can go for a pizza. <laughs> right. What I translated that from this guy telling me this is guitar-based drums. Everything always comes back in cycles, right? It has to. And 2023 will rock. This is my absolute prediction because did you see, you didn't see Heim, did you? But they're guitar, bass, drums, guitar, yeah. bass, drums. 
And that, to me, is the essence. Elvis, Zeppelin, yeah, blah, blah, blah. There it is. Guitar-based drums. That's it. Three bad company. You know, that, that whole wonderful, you know, moments where there's nothing going on. <laughs> you <laughs> right. know, just a bass drum. Yeah. And the vibe. You know, and yeah. the vibe. And and it's not. <laughs> and lyrics after lyric after lyric after lyric after lyric after lyric. After lyric. Yeah. And, and my mother, I slept with my father and I did this. And, and, this <laughs> and we had a dog. His name was Billy. I mean, like a little willy, but a big Billy. Uh, blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah. And I'm exhausted. I'm just exhausted. Sure. Uh, you know, and uh, rock and roll is not that. You know, it's like Wilson Pickett. It's like that documentary, Muscle Shoals. You ever see that? No, I should watch that. Uh, I really should watch that. Anyway, but that's my that's the theory. Twenty three guitar bass drums. Mark my words. I think that that's an apt uh, prediction. Also, because we're talking about the mod thing, and I have an episode coming out with Rusty Egan from Visage oh, soon, and great. Uh, oh, great. It, it, I'm so excited about that one. And that was taped last January, but of course, the way that last year went, it was like certain things just didn't seem like the right time to put them out. No, you know, absolutely, absolutely. Because I was having this thing. Because also, I was taping with him on the heels of being at DragCon, where this was great, bringing Mike Chapman to DragCon, and Mike being bowled over by. 20,000 people all into this vibe. This and world, I mean, and, and the guy, and I was telling someone else's story, I was like, you got to understand, this is the guy who produced the suite. Yeah. He was stunned at how like mainstreaming the, this has become or yeah, mainstream, thank right? Thank God. Thank God. Exactly. So I think the future is going to be a queerer, brighter, more um, liberated. I think that the liberation is, it doesn't matter. You know, I think the whole notion of man and woman is going to mutate into how loving are you? Yes. How talented are you? I don't really care what's below your waist. And I think um, that's why I might have paused after I said, uh, how do I best define this? Because I think the best way I keep thinking of it is a queerer, more liberated thing. Because I think of uh, sort of the scene that the mod stuff came out of, or what was going on culturally, uh, politically, et cetera, at the time. Uh, it's a certain distance away from the war. And uh, then you go to look at New Romantic, period, right? Because mm. they're both peacock um, presentations. Yeah, dandies. dandies, exactly. And you have to let the, all the stuff in the 60s that we talked about before. And I think now, particularly after the incredibly uh, fascistic tendencies of the world in the last couple of years. Military almost. It, yes, exactly. Uh, I think that that's almost like the final push towards this. The other side. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I that's agree. my feeling. That's my hope. Uh, no, yeah. I agree, and I think that freedom and liberation is very exciting. It really is, and I and I, and I I think a lot of that because a lot of the music today is very distanced. It's a groove. It's a feel, which is which is you know the whole audience, all thirty thousand of them are moving in the same way. But there's still a, uh, some sort of sensuality that is missing in a sense. If you had a band of like. Boy, girl, girl, boy, boy, girl, three, three of them. And they're all, you know, who, who was that band that, like, in in London? What the hell was their name with the head fishnets on their face? Oh, Six Six Sputnik? Oh, man, that was... <laughs> the only problem with that band was they couldn't play. 
That was a problem. They were nearly there. They almost they had the whole thing. Dude, There's a great they, documentary, too, about how um, to, Tony James, right? Yeah. Tony James from Generation X yeah. and Martin Degville, basically, it was like this. It was a concept. It was a concept, and they sold it, sold it, sold it. They even sold advertising time on the record to Revlon and a couple other companies. No songs. Yeah, that's the only problem. They had Marauder produce it, and so that song, Love Missile F-111, is really good. I have to send you. I'll I'll remember to send yeah, this. I'll, yeah, I'll make a note. Uh, Bowie did a cover of that. It was only issued on like did. the B side of some Dutch single or whatever. Yeah, of course he did. I mean, you know, he did what what could have happened. But, but yeah. those guys, <laughs> wow. You know, that's what I mean. I mean, that's what I think. That's how I see twenty three. We'll have a six six Sputnik with songs. Yeah, you've got to yeah. have great songs. You've got to have great hooks. You know, you've got to have a hook. You've got to have a hook. The hook is not the groove. You know, almost came. Right. Yeah. You can't almost come when you're making love. Quote Michael DeBoer, 2021. You know what I mean? Hooks. Yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. I want to hold your gland. <laughs> you know hooks yeah sure it's great to be with you though it's lovely it's lovely to be with you as well yeah it's just invigorating yeah. chapman i love it you know he quit his whole th- his business you know didn't he i, I as i heard well he's i know he's changed. actually working he's, he's working on a new artist right now named rio oh, I, I mean publishing and all of that the business because he has my shit you know someday we'll have to do a show where it's all of us because i know that once the world is safe to walk around in. Mike's planning a trip to LA at some point. Oh man, you gotta, you gotta let me in on a dinner there. Really. Oh, that, of course. I mean, you know, you remember we sent you that that message on your birthday. We were, yeah. you saw, we were all excited to send you that. And I have a five hour, uh, at least a raw audio with him that again was, you know, was taped last, uh, not it's so I keep saying last year when I mean the year before. <laughs> do yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, because I do. like the 2020 doesn't doesn't count. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible. It is. That's but, terrible. Uh, the missing year. I know, right? But like the end of 2019, when I was in London, we taped like twice and a lot of stuff. But then it just didn't seem right to put it out last year. But this year, I'm definitely going to put it out. But there's always so much more to talk about with him and with you. And so it'll be great to do a, a joint. Oh, thing. yeah. And if you do talk to him, tell him I love him. And I I will. I feel like we covered a lot. Is there anything? That, yeah, of course, I know. I mean, I, I can't imagine, you know. Uh, <laughs> what well, stone was left unturned? I mean, yeah, we even no talked stone. about Bill Wyman. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say that. <laughs> Mick Taylor? That's for next time. I guess we talk Mick Taylor. Okay, we'll do a Mick Taylor. Uh, and then uh, Bobby Keys. Oh, Bobby Keys. Oh, God. I. Oh, man. I had a few nights with Bobby, Bobby Keys. Oh, right? I can imagine those were not sedate evenings. Well, let's say that they, <laughs> yeah, that was a week of nights. Right, right. When you say night, you're talking right. about a larger span of you're time talking, than traditionally. About- <laughs> <laughs> Bobby Keys was the wildest motherfucker, you know. I mean, really, you know, the Southern boy saying, I, I did a gig somewhere and I sang Happy. I think it was Keith's birthday or something, you know, and uh, or we were raising money for something. But he, he played sax just afterwards, the next few days, and it was in Texas. 
We were in Nashville, and then we went to Austin, I think. <laughs> it was warm and uh, humid. It was That's, warm uh, <laughs> and humid, and I wore leather. You know? <laughs> of course. Yeah, yeah. I can remember. <laughs> but anyway, God bless you, man, and good luck with your new show. And um, you guys go ahead and get MichaelSchwartzmanShoes.com and go Absolutely. look at these boots and shoes Absolutely. and more to come. And I yeah, well, God, ble- God bless you. I love you, Michael, and I look forward to uh, talking with you again soon. I'm sure. And I look forward to it, too. For more, head on over to patreon.com slash Craig and Friends. Sign up and slide on in to the Thunderbuns of Hot Dog Club.